This is episode 157 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 157 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today I have Alan Bell on the show. And uh, today's show is a little bit unique because we're not really so much talking about the successes, although there are some successes. But in this episode, we cover what happens when things don't go right. So Alan had a really successful first project when he started about a year ago. After being in the mortgage industry for several years, he decided to get in as an investor, started in Chatham, had a successful project, and His story is one of adaptation. When things don't go right, he found solutions. Uh, But his second project, he hired out a general contractor and things weren't delivered as discussed, despite the fact that this guy was recommended. And that just goes to show that even when you have a contractor that's recommended, you still have to take precautions to make sure you mitigate your downside. There's always a downside. Don't take unnecessary risk with certain parties. So that's one of the big takeaways I took from this episode. I loved hearing Alan's story and I was really glad that he shared it because not that many people will come on and share that type of stuff. And that is how we learn. When companies fail, when people fail, we can all learn from that. So you should always learn from other people's failures rather than making those failures yourself. I'm a big believer in that. Of course, I've learned from my own failures, but now I'm much more keen on learning from others. And of course, using deductive reasoning to make sure that I'm I'm following a path that's going to mitigate my risks the best I possibly can. I'm confident you're going to get a lot out of this episode. A couple of housekeeping items before we get going. Number one, as always, I'll ask you to please take a moment and rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is you're listening. If they'll allow you to make a review, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like, subscribe and notification bell and leave me a comment. It'll just help more people to find the show and help it grow, help it help more people. Furthermore, if you would like to get on a call one-on-one with me and ask me anything in the book about construction, development, flipping, burring, uh, investing in the U.S., investing in trailer parks, um, any, anything that I've covered on this podcast is totally fair game. If you'd like to do that, that can be booked through my website at andrew-hines.com forward slash coaching. And one more item to check off is I was having an issue with my cash flow spreadsheet that was available on my website. I believe the issue is now fixed. So if you didn't get this the sheet, feel free to just send me a message on Instagram and I can send it to you directly. And if you have not yet subscribed, go ahead and go straight to my website and you can enter your name and email and you'll have a copy of that cash flow spreadsheet sent to you. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into episode 157 with Alan Bell. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Alan Bell on the show. I think I've been seeing your Instagram handle up there for years now. And uh, so I guess this was overdue. Alan, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I don't know too much about your investing story. Do you mind uh, filling me in on on all the details there? Yeah, sure. Um, So private lending was kind of where I started. I've been a mortgage agent now for almost four years and I've been private lending for three and a half. And then so you've been uh, doing the lending. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing the lending for three and a half uh, years through my RSPs. I transferred everything out of, uh, out of my stocks and bonds and stuff and started doing mm-hmm. private lending about three and a half years ago. And then uh, when the pandemic hit last year, that's when I started kind of, you know, taking a change of things and trying to see what else is out there because business slowed down on the mortgage side. Um, for the first little bit. And I kind of thought there's got to be something more out here to make sure that I've got different sources of income. And that's when I started stumbling across uh, your podcast and a few others. 
and uh, then started about six months journey of learning anything and everything I could. I listened to every single podcast that was out there. Every one of yours, Sarah Larby's, Carrie Hibbert's, um, rock stars. And uh, then in January, I took the plunge, finally convinced the wife that uh, we can do this. And we bought a property four and a half hours away from us uh, in uh, Chatham, actually just outside of Chatham, Wallsburg. So that's where we started. Picked up a property off market. Yeah, it was, um, so listening to your podcast, I heard you have a lot of different uh, wholesalers on and different people. So every time you had someone on, I would just connect with them and just start growing my network and, you know, conversating yeah. with people. And I uh, found an off-market deal for just over 110000 and ran the numbers as a mortgage agent. I have a purview system, which I'm sure you know. Yeah. And was able to check comps, and comps are anywhere from 180 to 220. And so picking it up for 115, I'm figuring, you know, anywhere between 35 and 50K and carrying costs and rentals in this place, I could turn it out yeah. and make a decent profit. Or even if it was 180, I'll make 10 or 15 grand. And yeah. it's at least a, a learning experience. Right. Um, Alan, quick question for you. Do you have your microphone on your earpiece? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because it's yeah. kind of coming in and then like going away. It's like getting. Um, it's kind of getting like tinny and thin. Like it's, it's a, there's no, there's no range to it. Um, I'm wondering if uh, maybe we try your built-in computer microphone, like you can just switch it right on zoom there. You can still use the uh, earphones for hearing. I, I don't know. I just, maybe it'll help. Yeah. Let's give that a shot. Otherwise, we'll make do. Uh, it's not letting me get into it now. Uh, just in the bottom left-hand side of the, the Zoom window where the little microphone mute button is, if you hit the up arrow, it doesn't show you your other options? No, it closed it down completely. No, but you're in your Zoom window now, right? Yeah, I'm you... on my cell phone now. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that'll <laughs> that'll probably make a difference. Damn. Okay. Well, I guess we'll just continue on then. Okay. Um, I can try to boot it up here on computer. It's asking me to update everything now. All right. Well, you want to just continue on? Yeah, I'm just worried that the sound won't, won't yeah, won't won't carry over well. Um I'm just gonna... Okay, so where did we live, leave off? You said that you pulled the trigger, um your wife gave you kind of the okay. You guys bought the property in Wallaceburg. You had done some comps being a a, a mortgage broker and I'm I think that's roughly where we we uh, ended up. Yeah, sorry about that. Um uh, yeah. so yeah, bought the property and was running some numbers to realize that, you know, we've got an opportunity here. You've been at the low end, 15 to 20K, and on the high end, maybe 40 to 50K in, uh, you know, profit from flipping this property. I also ran some numbers on option B. If we keep it, what would the rents look like? And rent was somewhere in the range of anywhere between 1500 to maybe two grand because the bonus mm-hmm. on this property, it had about a 700 square foot garage in the back. Yeah, so looked at it uh, a few different ways. Exit strategies, learning from your podcast, you always said to have you know option A, B, and C. So 
option A was to flip the property, make a profit and get some money to, you know, convert to something that's closer to our house here in the Durham region. Mm-hmm. Option B was to turn it into a rental because it had uh, good rental capacity to be, you know, close to the 1% rule. Okay. And then option C, you know, we could look at rent to own if we needed to. So um, we bought the place, closed on it off market within like two weeks. And we uh, drove out there and it was just, it was close to being, you know, the garage was definitely a hoarder's place. He had 500 water bottles in there, the big jugs, and he had left his underwear, left everything. And my wife walks in and she's just like, what are we doing with this? And uh, so after, you know, kind of things calmed down for a little bit, we started throwing stuff in the bin that we got and the place was pretty nice. Um, We put about 30 to 40 grand into it. Uh, new flooring, trim, paint, whole new kitchen, new water tank, uh, whole new furnace system because the place only had electric heats through a, a, a fireplace, and that was it. Oh wow! Um, after about eight weeks or so uh, of doing some renovations, we were able to uh, try to get it on the market for a rental because we knew what the rental rates would be. I listened to a local uh, property manager, and he said with that garage we could command two thousand dollar rents. So being new, I took his advice and I was like, all right, well, $2,000, I'm going to put this on the market. I'm going to cash flow about $1,000 a month on this place. About five weeks went by and not a single solid applicant, not one person filled out an application and just a couple of tire kickers. So I jumped on Facebook and different places to try and find people myself. And everybody that was applying was, you know, no job, ODSP moving from Ottawa and expecting to hope to find work in the middle of the pandemic, but didn't have anything lined up. So that's when we shifted gears and we said, all right, let's go back to plan A and let's throw it on the market. And within a week, we had a bully offer of 225. So we cleared a little over 50,000 and then minus taxes, what we get taxed from it. So it was a good start to our real estate investing. Yeah. So you think you were just way, way over, um, on your your expectation for the two thousand a month, yeah, I think it was. I think he kind of steered us wrong a little bit, and you know, it, it might have been perfect for the right person, but who knows how long we would have had to wait? You know, maybe three, four months to find that perfect person that would find the benefit of that garage. Right. Yeah, I think I think that you nailed it on the head. There, there are certain things where they're definitely valuable, but you need the right buyer and the right you know the right renter in this case. And uh, yeah, do you want to wait that out or not? So I guess exactly. in this case you didn't. So that was uh, flip number one. Flip and number one. Are yeah. you are you buying more properties to hold now? So as we're doing the middle of that progress, about a week later after we closed on this property, we bought a property in Peterborough. Um, so we bought a really cool property in Peterborough that was a single family, about 1,300 square feet, two-story, two-bed house. And in the back of the house was a two-story, 1,600 square foot barn. So what made this unique is that that barn, it's already pre-existing, so I can manipulate that structure to turn it into a garden suite. Okay. So that's where uh, we figured this was going to be a good buy. We picked that up for 504 and that was closing in 120 days. So that was going to be closing in the beginning of May. Okay. So while we're doing this flip, this property is waiting to close and it ended up working perfectly. We closed on that property in Pedro May 7th and the flip closed on May 10th. Oh, okay. So you just had uh, had some extra funds to bridge that and then you got a whole bunch of cash in your pocket. All exactly, right. yeah. Yeah, and so uh, we just used our 
or line on our primary residence yeah. to do the down payment and everything. Very cool. And as far as the one you bought with the barn in the backyard, have you already done that project? Is that complete? Well, here's the fun part. Um, <laughs> so the project was supposed to be a four to six month project converting the barn. We're going to be turning that into a three unit uh, place when it's all completed. We're waiting on Bill 108 to be passed in Peterborough. So the upper unit was supposed to be 800 square foot, two bedroom, um, exposed beams in the ceiling, a really cool like barn rustic feel to it. Mm-hmm. So we hired a contractor that was came well respected and um, we're about five months into the project when it was supposed to be four to six. And he comes back to us and says, uh, you know, I need a ton more money. And I said, well, what do you mean you need more money from us? Like you told us that we, this is the contingency and that we won't go over. And then we look at the work that was completed and some of the work looked really questionable. So I had another plumber come in and he looked at the work and we had the city inspector come in and nothing passed. So we ended up letting our contractor go in September. And so now I've been trying to deal with the city to get things passed. It took about a month to get the plumbing passed inspection. And then, so I had the inspection for framing and that didn't pass. So now I've been going back to that contractor that had the engineer draw the plans and he didn't end up following anything to do with the engineer's plans. So now it's been on standstill and we've been fighting with the contractor to try and get uh, new engineering plans. We just got them last week and now we're going ahead with a new contractor to get this place completed. Man. Yeah. It sounds like you're having one of those experiences like uh, I've had. I mean, so many people have had that kind of thing. It's so messy too. When you want to fire a contractor halfway through, like how did you manage that? It was a, it was a very tough conversation Um, because this is new to me and my wife. Um, You know, I didn't really want to do that because he was supposed to be general contracting the school thing from stem to stern. Mm -hmm. So it was a very tough decision, but Ultimately, we just weren't sure if he had the best, you know, experience dealing with this barn. So we ended up just saying, like, okay, well, where are we at? What do we do to let go? And he guaranteed the work that he did. He said everything that he's done to this point, which is the framing, the plumbing, and the HVAC will pass inspection. And we said, okay, no problem. All right, let's cut ties. And I already paid him some big lump sums, a little over sixty thousand, um, mm-hmm. to do the barn. And then here we are now and nothing's passed. So did he so, come back and rectify any of that? No, no. So he didn't nothing. really guarantee it. He just said, he no, did. he just yeah. said he did. He said he guaranteed his work for two years and here we are yeah. today, you know, um, three months passed when the project was supposed to be completed and I've been fighting with him and trying to get new mm-hmm. contractors lined up. Um, had a few contractors yeah. come through and they just said like, this work is just terrible. I don't even want to take on the job. Yeah. You know, it's, I appreciate you sharing this because so many people just want to share all the the roses and lollipops parts of uh, real estate. I mean, this, this was the reality for me, like just, just miserable experience with bad contractor uh, in Ohio uh, when I got started and, you know, similar things. Um, do you think like kind of looking back on it, like how would you have approached it differently? Cause I know you got a good recommendation and this is always for me, like why I've been such a control freak. Like what would you have done differently and how would you have seen it kind of working out better? So as frustrating as this is, and I, I think it's been a good learning experience um, mm-hmm. because I got thrusted into general contracting, something I've never done. And 
So I think now having the experience that I have now, I would have been on site a little bit more. I would have been wanting to meet the inspectors and, and have inspections a little bit more frequently. Um, I was scared at first, you know, thinking, oh, you know, the inspectors are going to be a headache or, you know, cause problems and stuff. But that's not the case. That's not what I've learned now being, you know, speaking with them and meeting the different inspectors on site now. I think I would have just been a little more hands-on um, being there a yeah. little bit more instead of being hands-off. Um, that's what yeah. I would have probably done differently. Yeah, with the inspectors, they really are um, helpful in a lot of cases. I mean, on one hand, you're trying to appease them. But on the other hand, if you talk to them beforehand, say, what do you want to see? Um, I think that they appreciate that because you're kind of stroking their ego a little bit and and you're you know telling them you want to play ball with, with their rules. So why wouldn't they like that? Um, and at the end of the day, they're a city employee that that gets paid the same amount of money, you know, regardless. So what's it hurt for them to take the time and talk to you? I, I find that they are generally kind of helpful with that. Um, just as long as you're respectful to them, right? I'm sure there's plenty of people that have screwed things up by by getting mad at them or saying things to them or challenging them on their their um, decisions and requests. Yeah. In my experience, don't do that. It doesn't actually work out well. <laughs> so uh, No, probably not. <laughs> no, they just get all prickly. They're like, ah, no, this is what I want to see. No, no conversation about it. So uh, that's been an interesting thing to navigate. But yeah, so good learning lesson. I agree. Like these are the best teachers. Like the lessons you've learned, as much as other people can hear our stories, a lesson you learn by living it uh, is one you'll never forget. And, yeah. uh, yeah, that's why I just always like to have, have an oversight on things. I don't want to do the work myself, but this is why I say if people want to invest in new areas and I was going to ask you, how are you doing that? Like, how'd you invest in Wallaceburg and then Peterborough? Um, like I want to be there. And I, I would say to anybody, go to those cities and be able to have an eye early on until you know, your team is trustworthy. Like they got to earn your trust before you just give it. And, uh, so in Wallaceburg, it didn't, you got luckier, I guess is the, uh, the way of putting that. Yeah, in a sense, um, we still weren't completely lucky because, uh, well, I hired someone I trusted, my father, actually. My dad was okay. uh, just a kind of a, a handyman. So the work yeah. that needed to be done in Wallaceburg was, you know, pretty simple stuff for the most part, flooring, trim, paint, you know, installing a basic kitchen and stuff. And then we subcontracted the HVAC and the yeah. water tank. Um, but we got unlucky because he called me about a week and a half in and we noticed the kitchen floor was a little squishy. Yeah. So he ripped up the floorboards and the uh, plywood and he noticed that the, the entire back wall, he could stick his hand through. And he said that it's rotted about four feet into the kitchen. So we're freaking out. My wife and I are like, this is, you know, my dad says this is above his grade. He doesn't know what to do. So, you know, we had no choice. We had nothing to do, but just pick up the phone. So I started calling contractors in Wallaceburg and luckily got an older retired guy that used to do this type of structural work for a living came in for five grand and tore up four feet across the entire kitchen put up a new back wall put up new bracings under the floor and new uh, window and everything and did all the work for five grand when we got 10 to 15 thousand quotes from other people so and was that materials included yeah, everything. Yeah, so you got you got a guy. He gave you an honest price there, like just like yeah. the price he would have charged. Not trying to take advantage of you in the situation, but absolutely. Um, I love what you said there. Like you know, it, when you have no other option, you just find a way. And as much as that sounds so uncomfortable, I had to like remind myself of that. Of all the things I've done, I just thrust myself into them. I was I felt pretty prepared on a lot of them, but I, there was always those gaps where I just I had to figure it out. And when you're in it, 
man, I'd be on my phone all day long. I'm like, I need to get this place sold. I need to get this place finished. Just never ending, right? Just on the phone all day long, but I didn't mind it. You know, it felt like, it felt like progress the whole way through, right? But whereas if you think about that before you do the investment, you might actually talk yourself out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's where you got to be somewhat prepared for yourself, you know, listening mm-hmm. to the podcasts and networking. Yeah. Um, that was the biggest thing because if I'd kind of fallen into this and just thought everything, like you said, was roses and, you know, rainbows, you know, you're going to hear some stories where some investors share some stuff, but there is going to be situations that are difficult and you got to be prepared for that. You got to have backup cash available and you got to be ready for those sleepless nights. Mm-hmm. It just sounds really, really unappealing when you say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> but then you get through it. And then it's, yeah. you know, after we flipped it and then you see that, that certified check get deposited yeah. for, you know, 45 grand, 50 grand. Yeah. And it's like, wow. Okay. Like that's, you know, some yeah. people's living for a year. And I did this in 90 days. Yeah. That is the saving grace of it all. Yeah. It reminds me of how everybody just uh, keeps telling me they're like, Oh, get your sleep now. Cause I got a baby on the way. They keep saying encouraging little things like that. And I got to tell you guys, I really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when's the wife do? Uh, the 23rd. So okay. right. probably by the time this airs, uh, he'll already be here. Um, because I think this will air in January, but, right. uh, yeah. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be an interesting time, but this is another one of those things, right? Well, I guess I got no choice at this point. He's coming. So yeah. uh, <laughs> we'll figure it out. We've got our second uh, girl coming on the way too. She'll be due in April. Oh, congratulations. Nice. Yep. So, yeah. you, so it wasn't so bad the first time around you did decide to do it again. Yes. Yeah. We made the <laughs> conscious decision that you know, we'll do it again and let's go with it. So I mean, it's been a big learning curve going through uh, dealing with the city myself and subcontracting different people to do the different jobs, finding a plumber, finding an electrician and stuff. But I've learned so much over the last three months by doing this, you know, being thrusted into this, that I have the confidence I can do this again and again and again. You know, the interesting thing about that is, yeah, now you got a team in Peterborough, like you have direct contacts, people that know you and they, you know, they know, they know how to deal with you. They, they know what they can expect with dealing with you. And I think most business people would rather deal with a known quantity than an unknown quantity. So um, build on that. Why not? And, uh, and just keep going with it. And I like it. Like, I mean, what you've gone through is similar to what I've gone through. Like out of necessity, I, I became my own general contractor. And that's why I never really felt like I could go back the other way because I knew I could do things efficiently, get a you know good pricing and get it done the way I wanted it done. But uh doesn't mean that GCs aren't awesome if you can find a good one. It's just going through that experimentation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what else you got working on? Right now, just trying to get this done. Um, okay. I almost pulled the trigger on a fourplex in Bowmanville during this process. Yeah. Um, I was trying to negotiate a VTB and, uh, you know, just decided to hold off. This was right when we were looking at this was in August when things were starting to fall apart with the contractor. So kind of glad I didn't because our financing, we needed that extra money we've got on our uh, yeah. home equity line of credit to just kind of fund this as we're losing money every month. So, yeah. you know, but after this is done, um, well, the, the good thing is I can flip that lower unit into, a, you know, making this a three unit building in another year or so when Bill 108 okay. passes. Gotcha. So Bill 108 already passed at a provincial level, did it not? So you're just waiting for it to be implemented in... Correct, at the city level in Peterborough. Yeah. 
Okay. What do you figure you're going to get as a value when that third unit is done? I think we close to a million when the third yeah. unit's done. Um, the second unit is going to be, I'm thinking somewhere between eight and eight twenty-five. I'm hoping. Yeah, eight twenty-five when you finish the rear yard, the barn unit. So you're doing yeah, the barn the unit first, and then you'll go back and do the basement inside. Uh, it'll actually be the basement of the barn. So oh, the barn the is, barn. yeah, okay. the barn is actually two stories all above grade. Mm-hmm. Um, so the upper level has about a twenty by twenty deck, nice mm-hmm. you know outdoor space, and about eight hundred square feet up. And so then the lower unit of the barn will have another close to 750 mm-hmm. square feet when it's said and done because of the HVAC uh, system in the lower level there. So, okay. So what, what do you think it's going to take to get all three finished, like all three finished units renovated and done? Uh, we're probably looking at about 240, 250,000 as a whole when it's completed. It's really not that bad, man, for what you just described in the challenges. Doesn't, doesn't sound too bad. Um, and then you've obviously got carrying or is carrying included in that? Uh, carrying is kind of included in that maybe another five or 10 grand. Yeah. No, we can call it two, two fifty, two sixty. Okay. So on the, so you'll be in for about seven sixty four on something worth a million. So we're talking perfect burr if that, those numbers work out. Cause if you get 80% yeah. on that, and what would you get hypothetically in rent across those three units? So the main house is already rented for 2100 and they pay utilities. Okay. Uh, the, however, we're not able to separate the utilities. So I've already been in negotiation with them about taking the average and then mm-hmm. just adding it to their rent. So we might be going up to 2400 including utilities. Yeah, smart. Before the, before the, uh, the uh, new units get added so that you don't have to yeah. deal with that. Yeah, exactly. So okay. we'll know what they're at. So for now, just say 2100 right now, yeah. I guess. Okay. Um, I'm thinking somewhere for around 22 to 2300, including utilities in the upper unit. And then mm-hmm. the lower unit, somewhere around 17 to 1900. Okay. So t- we'll say 22 for the upper and, and 1700 for the lower. 1700 for the lower. Those are good rents. I didn't think you'd get as much in the barn, but I guess it's kind of picturesque back there. Looks nice. It's, yeah, it's going to look nice and finished. Like it's going to have a yeah. probably close to twenty foot ceilings. It's going to have exposed beams. Oh, um, we're doing cool. quartz quartz countertops, in suite laundry. Nice, um, nice flooring. You know, it's going to be a, a, a nice island. Everything. It's going to be done well. Yeah. That's a good project to start on. Like that's definitely. A, it's not a conversion. It's it, there's more to it than that. It's it's a nice little stretch for you. Um, what do you figure you'll be in, in on taxes, property taxes, Uh, taxes right now are 3,600. Um, I think maybe we'll be up to five grand. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll see. Um, okay. And then your insurance, you got two structures. So you're probably going to be like 2,500 maybe you think right now I'm only at 1200 a year. Really? Are they insuring the structure though in the rear? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna say 1,700 then. <laughs> okay, it's done. Yeah, when uh, it's done, then maybe they may yeah. be bumping it up because uh, you know obviously there's more to it. So. It's a lot of space, right? And the other thing with insurance is like not all policies are equal. It depends on the coverage you want. Uh, there's those policies that have that diminishing coverage over time, where it's like if your building's 20 years old, they're gonna give you value as if it's 20 years old versus replacement. But uh, and I don't, I'm not saying that's what you take, but I'm just there's so many variables with insurance. Yeah. Um, okay, so maintenance. We'll say what five, six percent, something like that. Yeah, five. That's what I did with my numbers. 
Okay, five, uh, and then utilities. So that's where you're going to be. We're going to assume you're going to add the front houses utilities to them uh, to their rent. So you're really just going to be paying utilities on those rear units, right? Yeah. So the so front the- is is about they're doing about two to two fifty a month, roughly, right now. Right. So let's just assume that they you increase their rent to cover that. So we yeah. we just want to figure out what kind of utilities you're not going to pay additional accounts. You're just going to be paying usage on water sanitary and gas and electric right yeah hydro is already separated so there's yeah. a separate meter running okay to the barn, so they'll so do their own electric they'll they'll do their own electric okay so, so you're just gonna be that. water sewer and gas is all you're paying yeah. for the for the barn so you'll probably be what like four thousand a year you think between all that or three thousand uh yeah you're probably about three hundred and some bucks a month so yeah but say thirty six hundred okay for the two units all right. Uh, management. You going to pay management? No, I'm going to do it myself. Okay. So landscaping, are you going to be doing any of that or all the tenants? So the tenant is responsible for the landscaping um, and cutting the lawn and everything. I've hired a, a snow plow because it's a big driveway. So that's $680 a, a year. Okay. 680 All right. And then I'll leave that 500 miscellaneous because I think you might need it with a, a place like that. Um, okay. So your cap rate looks pretty good. If, you know, assuming you get the third unit, you'll be, uh, 569 or 5.69 cap rate. Um, if you get 80, 80%, you're going to be at 800,000, assuming you get that, that million dollar valuation. And yeah. let's just assume we're around 2.7 by the time you end up doing that, you could have cash flow of 1500 bucks a month on that place. Sounds about what I've been measuring. Yeah. Even yeah. with the, uh, the second unit in place, I've been figuring somewhere around 900 to 1100 a month cash flow. That's great. Like, I love the option that you can add more and down the road, they'll be able to utilize it better. And there's just, there's just probably a few different ways you can make money there. Um, as far as the land goes, how much land you got there? But it's 60 by 180 lot. So that's not small. That's nice. No, it's, it's big. It's big. Yeah. So you got lots of parking for these units then? I don't have to make any uh, changes to the parking at all. So, which is nice. Perfect. So is that through a wholesaler as well, this project? No, this one was on MLS. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we had put in offers on about seven properties in the Lindsay and Peterborough area. Yeah. And this property, we, our, our realtor toured it for us, gave us a video and we loved it. So we, we put an offer in um, contingent and inspection. So we went out and saw it after we put the offer in and we absolutely loved it. And so our offer was at the time when offers had to go in at like four o'clock in the afternoon, there's no offers. So they had it up for four ninety nine, and we put in an offer of like four eighty, and then they didn't respond. And an hour later, another offer came in substantially higher. They said, Mm-hmm. So we came back at 507 okay. and uh, they went with the other offer. So we lost the place. And then, um, so two days go by and we just reached out to a realtor and we just said, look, we really missed it. We didn't sleep last night. We really wanted this barn. And we said, just reach out to the realtor. If something ever happens, you know, just let them know that we would still buy this place. So two days later, uh, again, now almost a week gone by, they came back to us and said, Hey, does your offer still stand? They walked away from it. And we said, absolutely. So we got the inspection done and a few things we had to change. So we ended up get, picking it up for 504. Yeah. Um, That's really so, cool. 
I mean, that barn, I mean, there was a lot you could have done. You could have been a house with a shop or yeah, three units. Those are both. Yeah. So, so the existing house is probably pretty good, good size then. Can you recap me on how big the existing house is? Yeah, it's about 1300 square feet, yeah. two story, two bedroom. Okay. So they got a whole basement they can use as well. Unfinished? Uh, the basement's unfinished, but it's more of a crawl space. It's only about a oh, five okay. foot high uh, basement because it's a century home. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So if, if this, like, is this type of deal like still possible to find? No. No. Like what would you be paying for this? If this was on the market now? Probably six fifty. Wow. Man. I, I know a lot of people like this appreciation. I don't, <laughs> I, I want steady. I mean, it's fun yeah. kind of in a way, but I want steady, like predictable. Yeah. This is, I mean, this is predictable maybe in a bad way, but <laughs> it's yeah, it's, I mean, it makes it really easy to do a perfect burr, but it's, then you got to, when you're done, you got to go buy something else. Well, you know, and you, you have to have reinvent more capital. the wheel. Yeah. Well, because rents are never going to go up as fast as, as the prices are going up, like they yeah. trail. Right. So it's just going to make it harder to cash flow. And eventually like you'll finish project one and then you'll have, you'll want to do number two, but Oh wait, now I, now I can't get that same deal or I, I can't get another one that works. I, I should never say can't, can't doesn't exist. Um, it's just, is it more challenging and, yes. uh, for, for sure. So, um, what are you looking at for future? Like what's your next move? Still interested in Peterborough um, because I think the rents are really good there. It's a good tenant base. It's close to home where I can self-manage. So I I live in Whitby, so it's an hour away. Um, So hoping, you know, there. But I'm also looking in Sudbury, North Bay. Uh, I've been looking in Belleville, Trenton, and uh, a few other smaller cities kind of east and north just because the entry level is easier. Right, yeah. What about Cornwall? That's, yeah. Cornwall is the other one. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's far, but I mean, what's your attitude with this? Just like, I don't care if I don't have a team, I'll figure it out. I'll buy the property and figure it out. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I did it with Wallaceburg. I, you know, found some contractors, just call up people and just get a good vibe from talking to someone. So, I mean, obviously I had a bad experience with this guy on the barn, but um, I think I can handle almost anything now being through this. Man, those words, it's like music to my ears. I think I can handle almost anything. So it was worth it, man. It's tuition. (laughs) That's, yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, you could sit here on the bench and think about what ifs and and do nothing. And then, you know, all of a sudden now that $500,000 house is $700,000, you missed out. So just jump in and do it. Yeah. Okay. So just a kind of quick on the, the mortgages side of things. I know you're, you're doing, um, mortgages. Are you mostly helping investors? I'm so I'm starting to uh, go that route. I work okay. for a team. Um, okay. So I'm technically a salary plus commission uh, structure, gotcha. very different than most yep. mortgage agents. Um, so we work on a team. So for the last four years, well, three years, I've been doing just more of that type of side of things. But then when I started this process, yep. I started growing things. And now I have investors reaching out to me for mortgages. So I've done several yeah. for investors getting them mortgages, private seconds to finish off burr projects or, you know, mm-hmm. leveraging a property to buy another property. Yeah. Um, and we've got a strong network on the B side yeah. and a lot of private connections. So for a lot of people that are, you know, hitting the wall with three, four five units or properties, you know, on the A side, I've got connections on the B side where they're still going to fund, you know, up to 10 units or infinite amounts yeah. um, with certain u- credit unions we can work with. Okay. Like your credit unions kind of land in the B category as well. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them are in the B category or they've got a, 
a residential commercial package where they'll do yeah. infinite infinite funding right. um, investors. And that's what I've talked about on the show a lot, why I like credit unions. It's sort of similar to the commercial banking uh, arms of the big banks um, in that like they'll they'll do infinite as long as you meet their criteria and they build a relationship with you. You 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 look qualified to manage that you know that type of asset. Um, so yeah, that's that's definitely I think the bigger picture for a lot of investors. Like when when they you kind of you go through elementary school and you get to high school and you're like okay now we transition over to the mix of commercial residential uh, and, and keep growing from there. Yeah, I think that a lot of them do hit that yeah. wall and they don't know where yeah. to go. Um, right. And yeah, you've got that opportunity where, you know, they you just hear a no from the bank and you know, a lot of even regular clients hear a no from yeah. the bank and they're like, "Well, what do I do now?" You know, Scotia won't help me or BMO won't help me. Yeah. What do I do? Exactly. And I, yeah, so many people think that they just need to go and run a JV and I know I started off this podcast when I first started launching the episode saying like there are other ways you don't need the JV. Like I think personally people should JV if they see a benefit beyond just just the uh, the lending and the money set side of things. It should be a, kind of a more of a team thing. But anyways, not to get tangent. Uh, Alan, anything else you would have wanted to share uh, before we wrap up? Um, I think for new investors, um, because I haven't been in this very long, uh, you know, only just a little over a year now since I really started to look into this, it, it's possible. Um, you know, I'm sure there's people listening to your podcast or other podcasts where they're you know, they're wondering, what do they do? Just start reaching out to investors. Like, I can't remember how many times I've reached out to you and you've been amazing at giving me advice. Um, you know, Kellen um, has been another person that's been great. For the first six to eight months, I asked a million questions and everybody that I've reached out to has mm-hmm. been unbelievable at just sharing information. And I, I think that's all you need to do. You just got to Make connections, grow your network. Um, I'm a strong believer in the quote, your network is your net worth. And, you know, if I didn't have the connections I have with all the Peterborough investors that uh, I'm in the WhatsApp group that uh, Jared Henderson started in Peterborough, and there's 60 or 70 of us in there now. And being in that group has just, it's unbelievable the help that everybody gives each other. So, and we're all, you know, buying for the same properties in Peterborough, but it's we're not competitive we're we're there to help each other you know get through any mm-hmm. experience we need so sharing in you know sharing insurance companies sharing you know anything so i think you just need to go get out there get uh you know get yourself te- speaking to people because it's possible to do you know different stuff out there that's really cool that he's got that going on that uh that he started yes, that yeah. whatsapp group i uh i had the greater hamilton facebook group going for a while and uh I clearly didn't do the policies right because it eventually just turned into a spam fest. <laughs> so <laughs> I might have to redo that group um, down the road, but we'll, we'll figure that one out. But uh, yeah, he actually asked me about that group too. And I'm just like, well, I'm not in Peterborough, but I mean, if I was, that's what a value that is for anybody who's investing up there. Um, so very cool. How do people reach you uh, or connect with you if they, uh, if they want to do so? Easiest way is probably Instagram. Um my name, Alan, A-L-L-A-N, and then Bell, B-E-L-L, underscore R-E-I. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll answer any question. And then my my contact information for the brokerage is in there as well, too. And then Perfect. they can follow along and hopefully see the completion of this barn project uh, over the next couple yeah. of months. Yeah. Do you have some pictures of it on, on your Instagram? Yeah. I got a few pictures, a video walkthrough of the up and lower levels of uh, what it looks like. and you know, Yeah. Bars. Now that you've described it, I want to check it out. So... It's yeah, have a look. Cool. It's kind of neat. 
Cool, man. Well, it was nice connecting with you. Finally getting a chance to chat uh, face-to-face through the computer anyway. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing you knock this one out of the park and get it finished. I hope so. I appreciate you letting me on here. (laughs) My pleasure. All right. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. I'll see you on the next one.